0: All right, everybody. Welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. Is everybody excited to be at church? All right. Come on. Come on. It should be like one of the highlights, one of the highlights of the week right there. Hey, my name is Jeff Baker. I have uh, the unique privilege of serving on staff here at this church. Uh, I just want to say a big hello to you, whether you're here at our Carney campus. And you're in our west venue or you're in our east venue. I also want to say hello to our North Platte campus. Uh, I love those folks out there as well. And uh, we've got some incredible things God's doing at our church you are currently sitting in one of three locations and, one of, and worshiping with us in one of six worship services, just so that you understand what's going on uh, here at New Life. We are one church in multiple locations, and it's, it's really working great, and God's doing some great stuff. So glad to have you guys here. Like I said, I get the unique privilege of being the lead pastor at the church. Um, I'm not the only pastor. We've got a number of pastors on our team, and those guys, they're those guys are just incredible, and I love serving at this church. So I'm so excited about where we're going uh, next week with the whole I Love My Church series. It's going to be a blast. Hey, but today, today I, um, back in October like, of last year, I decided I wanted, to, I wanted to preach a message. I wanted to call it The Bridge. And so I wrote this message, and I've just kind of been focused on it for quite a while, and it's just a standalone it's a little different to what we typically do. We typically teach in a series, but it's just a standalone, and I'll be talking about what this bridge really represents and what it's all about uh, throughout this morning, so just join with me in that. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Anybody else from Missouri Woo! other than my wife? <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. I actually pronounce it Missouri. There's a lot of people that pronounce it Missouri, all right? That's wrong, so if you ever hear that, that's wrong. Missouri, it's not misery either. I heard someone say that. So um, but okay, let's let's change it then. Forget about Missouri. How many guys have been to St. Louis? Anybody been to St. Louis? Yeah. Okay, you guys take a little more pride in that. That's good. How many guys have been up in the arch? Up in the arch? Man, if you haven't been up in the arch, you gotta go, right? You gotta go to St. Louis, you gotta go up in the arch. Uh, just north of the arch, which is right on the Mississippi. Right on the Mississippi. Right? You guys know how to sell you guys know how to spell Mississippi? The Mississippi River? How how do you spell it? No, 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 hold on, stop right there. Some of you guys are so like proper with it, you're like, it's M-I-S-S-I. No, that's not how you spell Mississippi. When you grow up in Missouri, you learn how to spell Mississippi. It's M-I, crooked letter, crooked letter I, crooked letter, crooked letter I, humpback, humpback I. That's how you spell Mississippi, come on. Man, what have you guys been, like, living in the country or something? All right, so, well, actually, we do here in Nebraska. So. so, yeah, so right there at the river, the Mississippi River, is the arch. Now, well before the arch was ever built, uh, just north of it was a, it's a historic bridge that's actually still used to this day. This bridge is called the Eads Bridge. It means nothing to you. It meant everything to the city of St. Louis back when it was finished in 1874, 1874. this engineer by the name of Mr. Eads, he's given the contract to build a bridge so that trade and commerce can happen and travel can take place in a better way across from Illinois into Missouri so that St. Louis could continue to be the gateway to the West City. So this bridge was built higher than most bridges that were built at that time. So it it stood, you know, an incredible height. Um, so that steamboats and things could get underneath it. It also was the very first bridge in the world to be built by, with steel. And so they build this entire bridge. Can you imagine then what happens as trains can run across this bridge, and then above the trains, cars can drive across this bridge. And they finished it and now it's, it's still being used to this day. It's, it's incredible how easy now it is to get across the river from Illinois to St. Louis. Well, now if you go to St. Louis, there's multiple bridges. But can you imagine what it would have been like to cross this roaring you know, river called the Mississippi. It's muddy, it's nasty. Um how many people you know had boats tip over trying to just cross and get trade across? How slow it was when you got from New York all the way to Illinois but you couldn't get across. Right? And so here they are crossing on ferries and then all of a sudden they get to start crossing on a train or in a car across a bridge. And so a bridge, in essence, is built so that you can get from basically here, where you're at, across the divide, to there. And that's, that's basically what a bridge is. It, it gets you from here to there. And in your life, you've got a number of bridges. Like, I know all of you have crossed over a physical bridge, over a river or a ravine or something like that. But you have many other bridges in your life. Like the bridge of education, as an example. Right? You had a dream one time in your life where you were dreaming about becoming someone or you're, you know, in your teenage years and you're dreaming about your future and you're working on your education or you worked on it. And this education became like a bridge. It got you from the dream to the reality. Or you're working on your education, and if you keep focused on it, and you give it the best, and you let God lead and direct you, you will get from here to there. You'll eventually land the plane, and you'll be doing what it is in your heart that you were dreaming of doing. So that's a bridge. We also have relationship bridges. I think one of the best examples of a relationship bridge is probably in Marriage. Right where you've got a husband and a wife, and they first met each other, and they were, you know, goo goo gaga, googly eyed over each other, and then they had to go from that to, I trust you, I know you, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. They stand on a stage at a church, and they commit their lives to one another. That's a relationship bridge that goes from I didn't know you to now I'm going to commit my life to you. So there, there's a bridge. There's a business bridge, where somebody starts a business and it's uh it's a startup and they want to they want to go from a startup to make it profitable all right there's a bridge there there's a lot of mistakes to get made along the way Uh, there's a lot of capital that has to be invested uh, whether it's finances or it's time to go from a startup to become profitable there's also a retirement bridge retirement bridge so Probably most of you that are in this room right now are at one stage, at one point of your life You're wanting to eventually retire whatever that looks like for you And so to do that you've got to start preparing and planning for it today If you don't prepare and plan for it today, it won't turn out the way you want to tomorrow. Now, along that journey, hiccups and trials and tragedy and all kinds of things are going to come. And so what you dreamed about may not be the actual reality, but at least you were working on it. And there's a bridge to get from here to there. In your life, you also have a faith bridge. This faith bridge is designed to be an instrument of trust to get you from a man-centered life, across the bridge, to a God-centered life. And if I asked you today what, what your faith bridge looked like, then you would probably be able to describe it. But to help you do that, I thought, let's do it, let's do it in, in four stages. Four different stages that you typically could find your spiritual life in, And whatever the condition of your spiritual life is, it will tell you what the next step is you need to do. So this faith bridge, right, that gets you from here to there, it might look like different things for you. So first off, it might be that your faith bridge is just completely destroyed. It's completely destroyed. Like it doesn't even resemble anymore a a bridge, right? I mean, it, it looks like a storm came through, it wiped it out in a spiritual sense, a faith bridge that's been completely destroyed might be it might be like this in your life. You might be the person that's just going, God, you don't exist anymore. Um, everything I learned about you is fake and it's false and I don't even want to follow that anymore. There's nothing there. You can't drive across it. You can't walk across it. It isn't life-giving anymore. It's completely fallen apart. It's over. It's done. And you're, you could be here today and that could represent what your faith bridge looks like. Like, between you and God is utter destruction, and there is no way for you to get to God. That's how you might feel today. You also might be this next bridge, where it used to give life, but now it's just down to this rotted path. It really needs to be rebuilt in a bad way. Like, it really can't give life to anyone else. There's a small path that you might be able to walk on. You could fall off one side or the other, but there's still an essence of God exists there's still an, ex- an essence of Jesus gave his life on the cross for me. I know those things. But the reality of how God fits into my everyday life, it's just not there, right? There's this big gap between what you know or you think you know about God versus what you're living out for God. And your faith bridge needs to be rebuilt. It needs to have a reset hit to it. Others of you, your faith might look more like a bridge that's usable, Right? You can walk across it. You, you've got the basic components in the right place. People can walk across it. It's not going to give a lot of life to, to others. Maybe a couple people could you know, benefit from it, but it's, it's in need of minor repair. Like There's some pieces of your understanding of God that just aren't correct. There's some pieces of your relationship with God that just aren't fitting together all the way. So it's in need of minor repair. While others of you might be sitting here today and say, Well, my faith in God, my understanding of how I go from a man centered world to a God centered world, my faith in God is a bridge that is strong. It's well put together. It's not perfect by any means. But it's designed right, and I've got the components, and everything's in the right place, and it's strong, and it's actually life giving. It's life giving. That's what I want to help you today with. I want to help you take your life from wherever it is and get you to a point spiritually where the bridge between you and God is strong and it's life-giving. One thing I know about everybody that's in this room is that your life right now is in one of these four stages that I just defined for you. Your life can be summed up by one of those pictures. In fact, I could ask you, pick a picture of a bridge that represents your spiritual journey and tell me why it represents it. And virtually everybody in this room would be able to answer that question if you're honest enough. And one thing that you need to know is that my life, my life's been in every one of those four stages. Every one of those four stages, I've stepped in, I've walked in. My life has been from the utter destruction to a life that by God's grace has been well put together. But if you're even going to entertain the idea of having your life look more like that bridge at the end, it's all put together, and it's something that's crossable and it's strong and that you're, it's life-giving and it's, it's a joy to have a relationship with God, then you're going to have to entertain trusting God. When they built that Eads Bridge and it was finished in 1874, people didn't trust it. They're like, man, this is the first bridge. It's made out of steel and it's so tall, it's gonna fall over. Someone's gonna drive on that thing and it's just gonna collapse. And so they had a marketing nightmare with it. So here's what they decided. Here's the, here's the marketing team for the make the bridge usable and profitable and start having commerce go across it, and everyone to have, you know, a lot of joy from using it. They took an elephant from the circus and the elephant handler. And the elephant and the elephant handler, they were the first ones to walk out onto the bridge. And they walked across the bridge while witnesses were watching just to prove the fact. If the bridge can hold the weight of an elephant, it can definitely hold you. And that elephants, they're so smart, they wouldn't step out on something that's not stable. And that's how they sold the bridge. That caused people to have trust in the bridge, and then they started using it. And then, as they started using it, they discovered, "Wow, this is a really strong bridge." In fact, later on, as they developed the tools to test a bridge, they realized that the bridge was twice as strong as what they originally thought it was. So today, you're going to have to have an element of trust to step out there. I'm going to be the elephant for you. I'm going to tell you what the bridge looks like. I'm going to tell you what it, how it feels. I'm going to tell you, the experience that you go for, you go from uh, destruction to a bridge that's well put together. But then at some point, you're going to have to decide, what what does faith look like for you and how are you going to put it all together? I grew up in church. I remember my first memories running through a church. I'm this little toddler of a boy getting into things I probably should have never got into right? My parents would drop me off. They would pull up to the church. We'd all get out. My dad would go park the car. And by the time my dad gets into the church, I'm probably in some Sunday school classroom I shouldn't be in, pulling out toys that I shouldn't be playing with in a place I shouldn't be. And my parents probably had to apologize to the pastor over and over again, you know, for my um, mischief behavior, if you will. Uh, so I grew up in church. My parents were actively involved in church, so they, they were there every single Sunday. It doesn't matter if someone was sick, if it was snowy, it didn't matter. Uh, we were there all the time. My parents, they taught Sunday school, and uh, they, did even, they even taught the, the children's church. Like today at New Life, we've got children's pastors, but back then... Man, there was no children's pastors. And so my parents, they just did it all. So I almost felt like my parents were part of the pastoral staff of the church. We were some of the first ones there and some of the last ones to leave. And I do have to say this because my mom watches our, our church. She watches our sermons every Sunday afternoon. So I do have to say, you did a really good job, Mom, of you know, investing into me and instilling the gospel of Jesus Christ into me. And I really I value that and I appreciate that, both my mom and my dad. And we did all kinds of stuff. We sang all the little children's church songs, like deep and wide, deep and wide. You guys ever sing that song? I don't even know what that means. But we, so I'm in the Lord's army, right? We marched it all out and we flew the plane and we did all kinds. of I mean, it, we had a blast. And as a kid, I would have to say that my parents were really helping me build a faith bridge that was solid. Solid, at least in a kid's understanding, right? In a In a child's understanding, I would have to say that I was knowing God, and I I knew the principles, the basic principles of God. That's what's so encouraging to me about God, is that, is, is God beyond the wisdom of man? You better believe he is. But does he make the gospel, does he make the truth, does he make the bridge something that's understandable for everyone? Faith? Yes, he does. And so as a kid, I was developing that kind of faith, and it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of joy. But then as I moved into my teen years, um, there was a disconnect that started to happen for me. There was, we go to church, but then I have to go to school on Monday, and I have to live the rest of my life. And I started to divide this line between my life at church and my life with my friends. And I lived two different lives. And some of you could probably identify with what I'm talking about. There was the one life at church and the other life with your friends. And that started to decay the faith bridge. I started to get this separation between God and my regular life. That led to a number of very, very poor, bad decisions um, in my life, just walking away from God. One, one, one decision that, that was made early on was that, you know, I met my wife, Kim. We, we met when we were just teenagers. We got married when we were teenagers. We had our first child when we were teenagers, We started out, like, as wrong as wrong can be, and we started out with an incline that we were going to have to climb out of this hole that we dug that was steep. And through that process and becoming a young adult and, you know, moving to Bellevue, Nebraska from St. Louis together, you know, we we ended up having a couple more kids, and when the third child was born, it was just kind of like, I don't know, a straw that just broke in me. My faith in God was depleted. My... Hunger for God was gone. It was more than just, you know, minor repairs that were needed to my faith bridge. It had grown to a point where it was in need of just being rebuilt. It was, there was no life in it. In fact, I had basically just, you know, took God and pushed him right out of my life. God wasn't a part of my everyday equation. God wasn't part of my decision-making process. God wasn't part of how I was gonna love my wife or how I was gonna love my kids. And eventually it got to a point where I literally looked at my wife and I said, I don't wanna be with you anymore because I was blaming God. I was mad at God. I was upset at God. I was like, God, if you really existed, why did you let me make all these decisions, and why did you put me in this spot where I feel like the weight of the world is coming down around me, and all my buddies and my friends are running around, having a good time, and here I am, stuck in all this junk. If you really loved me, why did you let all that happen? And I blamed God for the whole thing until I finally, that anger and that frustration towards God spilled out towards my wife, and I said to her, I don't want to be with you anymore. And she left, and she took the kids, and she moved back to St. Louis, and now I was free to live my life the way I wanted to. And I finally just blew up the bridge of faith. It was not It was beyond the need of rebuild. It was utter destruction, utterly destroyed. I just went off the deep end. I was on the deep, I was in the deep end of drugs and alcohol and sex. And, you know, I, it was just one of those moments in life where you're, you're just trying to live life at its fullest, to do anything that man says will make you happy. And I went down every single one of those roads. And during that time, I couldn't find any contentment. I couldn't find any joy at all. Because I knew in the back of my mind and in the the darkness of my heart, I still heard that whisper. You know that you're breaking God's law. You know that you're doing things that don't please God. And in the darkest of the darkest moments, you would still hear that whisper. Like you realize, right, that your actions are what's called sin. So here I was standing over here on man's side of the bridge, living my life however I wanted to, thinking that I'm the one in the greatest control, but the whole time I'm living in sin. Now, one thing I know about everybody that's listening to me, whether they're sitting on their couch right now or they're in one of our venues, is that we've all sinned. All of us have sinned, whether it was as rebellious as mine, as deep and as dark as mine, We've all done it, we've all been there. Whether it was one day, it was a couple of months, a year or more, or maybe it's been a decade. We've all done it. In fact, that's what Romans has to say to us. Romans 3.23, it says that for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us has fallen short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us has stood on the bridge of man's side living for man's desires man first instead of god first all of us have and some of us in this room today are sitting in north platte are living that lifestyle right now you might have You might have all kinds of desires that you claim are good. Like, you might go, well, I'm a good person. Like, I don't do anything to harm people. Or, you know, I do things that are helpful for others. But if God's not first, it doesn't matter what kind of intentions you have. You might say, yeah, but I'm involved with this charity or this organization that does amazing things around the world. Isn't that good enough? And the answer to that is, no, it's not. Unless we commit our lives to Christ, then we're dead in the water. If Jesus isn't first, then nothing else matters. You might go, well, my desires just aren't all about me. My desires are also about my family. Like, I love my family. And I would say to you, good, all of us need to love our family, but if we don't love God first then everything we're doing is out of a heart of sin. It's out of a man-centered lifestyle, and that's where we're standing. If we stay on man's side of the bridge, you need to know there's some hefty consequences that are coming down the road. In fact, this is what Romans 6.23 has to say about it. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The death that they're talking about is not just the death of like, being buried and put into the grave. That's one level of death. They're talking about a death of utter and complete separation from God. Man's side of the bridge, I know it well. It's fun, it's exhilarating, and it's exciting at times even. But you need to know something, that the road you're looking down right now, do you think is like, I got it, I got the world by the tail, and I've got this thing, I'm under, I've got it under control, I can handle it. You need to know that that road looks like it leads to an oasis. But in the end, right before it hits the oasis, it takes this wicked turn, and it ends in utter destruction. Now, I knew this growing up, because remember, what was the first bridge that I had? It was a bridge of faith. So inside of me, I know the truth. I know that if I keep going down this road of man-centered, me-centered, and I stay on this side of the bridge, there is a hefty price that's going to have to be paid at the end of this life. I knew that truth. So what did I do? I did what some of you are doing. I tried to live my life louder and bolder than ever before. So it was during that time that I volunteered for the special ops unit inside of this military uh, unit that I was a part of. And I traveled all over the world at, at the blink of an eye. And I ended up doing all kinds of crazy stuff, putting my life in harm's way just so that I could drown out the truth which was, what in that scripture? That God would give us a free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I didn't want to hear that stuff. I just wanted to live my life the way I wanted to. And so when you're living like that, you, only, you have to intensify the volume of your life to drown out the very truth that God's trying to put inside of you. And you want to know why? Because to accept the truth would mean you'd have to surrender. And I knew at that stage of my life, the last thing I wanted to do was surrender. So I know today that some of you, you're on this man's side of the bridge. And to get to God's side means that you're going to have to humble yourself and you're going to have to surrender. And you're going to have to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my leader. Mind-blowing thought for you. That God was offering me, Jeff Baker, this free gift, even while I was destroying the bridge of faith. God was even offering this free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. If I would just make him Lord and leader, he was offering it to me, even when I was cursing his name and rejecting him in front of other men and women and in in public. That God was still offering that to me. In fact, it says it in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? While we were on man's side of the bridge, God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. While we were rejecting him, denying him, cursing his name, blaming him for everything, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us while we were here. That's how amazing God's love is for you. So you might be where I was, right? But you need to know something today. God is chasing you. That's why you're sitting in one of these locations today, and you're hearing this sermon, because God's chasing you. You didn't come here because a friend invited you. Well, that's just what happened on the physical side. You're here today because the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself, and he's wanting to do something radical, just like he did something radical in me. I still remember the day that I finally surrendered and I stopped running. I remember the hour, three o'clock in the morning. I could take you to the apartment in Bellevue, Nebraska. I could take you to the room. I could take you to the very square foot of real estate on this earth that my two knees hit the ground. And at three o'clock in the morning, I started a prayer that would radically change my life. I started to say, God, if you really exist (laughs) sounds like a man of great faith doesn't it if you really exist and if you really can love a guy like me and if you really can forgive a guy like me with all the things that i've purposefully done purposefully i want to follow you I, i remember it guys god showed up in that room that day i mean it's hard it's hard for me to explain everything but It was like something broke in my life. And I found myself just weeping in that room. As I reflected back on what I had done, but yet I had heard, I kept hearing God whisper into my ear, I love you. (laughs) I love you right where you're at. But I'm not gonna leave you here. And there's, there's a lot that has to happen. And that day, I put my foot out, and I put it on this bridge, which was in utter destruction, I mean, if physically you looked at the bridge, you would never step on it, right? But spiritually, I looked at this destroyed bridge, and I put my foot on it, and I began to bear my weight on it spiritually, and I began to say to God, God, I confess my sins to you. I submit my life to you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I want you to be my leader and my Lord. And you know what miraculously took place? This bridge that through spiritual eyes was in complete disarray, it's like the ground I stood on became perfect, and it became sound, and it was, it was like firm right underneath my feet. And as I continued to pursue God, I found myself praying a prayer that incorporated Romans chapter 10, verse 9 into it. And it said this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I started walking along on this bridge of putting my faith in God that night at three o'clock in the morning and something started to come alive inside of me. And I knew instantly what I needed to do. And that next morning, I could barely wait. I could barely wait until it was a reasonable hour to call somebody. And I made two quick phone calls that morning first phone call was to my wife, who was not living with me. I had actually filled out divorce papers, and I would sent them to her, and she didn't sign them. It frustrated me. But I picked up that phone that morning, and I called her with an excitement in my voice. I didn't know if she would forgive me. I didn't know if she would love me again. I didn't know. I didn't know if we were just going to be friends from that moment on or enemies from that moment on. I just knew what I needed to do. I felt God saying to me, you call her and you confess your sins to her. And you seek her forgiveness. And at the end of that phone that day, I found a woman that was so full of grace. Huh. I found a woman that modeled Jesus for me like I needed I felt the love of God from her. And uh, this month, March the 23rd, Kim and I will actually celebrate 30 years of marriage. 30 years. That's that's what God does. Second phone call was to a pastor. (laughs) And I was like, hey man last time you saw me i was not in my right mind and uh, i i need a lot of help and so man he made way for me that very morning and i came into his office and there was a discipleship process that started and i i just really haven't been the same really since then you know my life's not perfect (laughs) there's there's a lot that's happened but Man, I I was making my way across that that faith bridge, and it was something that I was finding to be stable and strong, right? My life didn't instantly get better. It took a while, actually, for Kim and I to work the plans out to get back together. Uh, Because I was on that special ops team, I was gone again to the desert. um, And it just took a while, but God used it all, and he worked it all out. And I was thankful for that. And there was a lot of consequences from my actions from living in man's world that I still had to pay for over here. And so you just need to know today that even when you commit your life to Christ, it doesn't mean it wipes away all the consequences of your actions. But there are some things that you can look forward to and experience when you make your way across from man-centered living to God-centered living. And one of those is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. I had no peace at all when I was living over there. In a man-centered, man-desired, me-first mentality, little peace. You would try to develop peace, but you couldn't sustain it. So you would raise it up for a second, for a moment, for an evening, and then it was gone again. But in a God-centered lifestyle, you'll find out that God's plans for your life, not only do they bring peace, but they're a thousand times better than the plans that you could ever come up with. God, God will bring peace in places of your life that you didn't even know to ask for peace. Like in, in you know resolving my marriage and bringing peace to it. It's been beautiful. It's a miracle. I, I praise God for it all the time. In the restoration, even with my own children. Man, I praise God for the peace that he, he's brought um, in, in that place. I thank God. I have a gratitude for God because I recognize that, God, I try to destroy it all. But by your grace, you put it all back together. And there's this peace of thankfulness that God only you could work something like that out it's not because I'm smart it's not because of just what I did it's what you have done and by the way it's what you continue to do but one day my mind was blown away when I was reading God's word and I just had this beautiful revelation of what my life had experienced and why I was on this side and I was never going back to that side Romans 8 38 and 39. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the first time, I saw what the bridge really was. And I saw the bridge as Jesus Christ and the cross that, di- that's, that broke down the divide between the gap, the bridge from here to there. And I realized for like one of the first times in my life, the, the broken body of Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, it's like a bridge that forever got planted between man and God. And God's looking for every single one of us to walk across it. And today I'm asking you, where are you at in this whole process? Where are you standing right now? Right? Are you standing all the way over here in man's world? Are you standing over here in a God-centered life? Are you somewhere in between the process right now? Where are you at? Because I know this, every single one of us has a step that we need to take closer to God today. But what is your step? For some of you, it's a radical one. Just like I did that day when it didn't look like there was a bridge at all. And I stepped out anyways into the unknown of putting my life into God's hands. And you know what I found? A loving, compassionate, caring God. Not one that stands there with a baseball bat, but one that stands there with his arms open wide like the arm stretched out on a cross. And he's ready to grab a hold of you and pull you close to him. That's who I found. That's what you'll find too. I'm gonna ask our worship teams to just lead us in a couple of songs. Reason why? I want you to contemplate and I want you to think about where are you at in this whole journey and what's the next step that you need to take. And I'm just gonna be front, front with you, I'm just gonna tell you that at the end of those songs, our campus pastors and all of our locations are gonna come up and they're gonna give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and make him number one, make him the leader and the Lord of your life. We're not gonna embarrass you, we're not gonna pull you down to the front of an auditorium we're just gonna ask you to raise your hands so that we can pray with you. So I want you to be thinking about where are you at in your relationship with God and what's the next step that you need to take. Why don't you stand with me let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the bridge of faith that's built between man and you. It goes from the me-centered living to a Christ-centered living. And it is the bridge of the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the incredible grace that you have for us, no matter where we're at, and that there is no sin that is so great that, God, you can't forgive it. We praise you for that. There isn't any distance that we can run from you that you won't chase us and find us, and I thank you for that, God, and I pray that today and all of our locations that, Lord, we would sense the power of your Holy Spirit pulling on our heart closer and closer to you today. Let trust be built inside of us so we can take that very first and crucial step in following you. So Jesus, have your way in this place. Have your way in our lives. And everybody said, amen.